You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards joins the Post to discuss the economic impact of the coronavirus pandemic, vaccine rollout, and the latest on the winter weather that has gripped his state. Let's listen. Good morning. I'm Karen Tumulty. I'm a columnist here at the Washington Post, and I want to thank you for joining us this morning as we continue our series on leadership during crisis. Our guest this morning is Governor John Bell Edwards of Louisiana, and we will be talking to him about how the state, which was one of the early hotspots in the virus a pandemic, is, is dealing with it. But Governor, first of all, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be with you, Karen. Um, but you right now are facing two gigantic challenges, and so I'd like to start by asking you how things are going down there with the weather and the power situation and the water situation. Well, it, it's, it is very challenging, uh, especially across North Louisiana from Shreveport in the Northwest over to Monroe, but really central Louisiana, even Lake Charles uh, has had significant disruptions uh, to its water system because of freezing uh, pipes uh, and we're having to deliver bulk and bottled water uh, to a big part of the state today. Um, and, you know, the infrastructure in southwest Louisiana uh, in particular uh, was damaged uh, by two hurricanes um, this past fall. Uh, and so we, we're, we're still dealing with that and, and recovering from that when, when the uh, cold weather came. Uh, and, and it's causing some challenges, but I will tell you the people of Louisiana are very resilient. Uh, they are being good neighbors to one another, checking on uh, individuals making sure that they're warm enough and that they're fed and and so forth and doing it in a COVID environment, which makes it much more difficult. Um, we've got one more night uh, here of uh, below average, in fact, record lows tonight uh, expected across much of the state. Uh, and then we will have a warming trend. And I expect that over the next several days, we will make uh, repairs to we will make uh, repairs to the water systems and get things functioning as close to normal as possible. But this is a very, very challenging situation in Louisiana. This morning, we've got about 80,000 uh, customers uh, without electricity. And when I say customers, those are accounts. So that's that's households, that's businesses. Uh, so things things remain very serious here, uh, but, but we're thankful that the warmer weather's around the corner and we're encouraging people to be safe and be patient because many of the roads and highways, uh, especially across North Louisiana, uh, they have not uh, been able to to clear uh, off the, the snow and the ice and, and so forth. So the driving conditions remain uh, very dangerous. Well, you had requested a um, federal disaster declaration, which the, the president, President Biden, has granted. Of course, governors are really on the front lines when a disaster strikes. But how well has has the federal government responded, and uh, especially, you know, the the brand new Biden administration. And how responsive have they been? Are you getting what you need out of Washington? Yes, uh, and they have been responsive. And because of the COVID crisis, because of the hurricanes, we've actually had people from FEMA embedded in my governor's office of Homeland Security and Emergency uh, Preparedness uh, for many months now, and so it has been seamless. Uh, the president uh, made time uh, on Tuesday afternoon to speak with governors from this region, and I was able to talk to him, let him know that a request was coming. 
for a federal disaster declaration that would enable us to take advantage of uh, category B uh, measures, uh, the emergency protective measures, including sheltering. Um, and sheltering is very difficult in COVID because you need to do as much non-congregant sheltering as possible to protect people from uh, passing the, the virus back and forth, uh, but also for direct federal assistance from, from federal agencies. And that was granted uh, in less than 24 hours after it was requested. And so we really appreciate that. It's gonna make a big difference uh, going forward, uh, but, but in the short term, uh, we need the warmer weather um, and, and we're working very hard uh, to get water in particular uh, to hospitals, nursing homes, dialysis centers uh, so that they can continue taking care of their patients. Uh, and that's bulk water, but also bottled water uh, to these affected regions. Well, you certainly have our best wishes as, as do the citizens of Louisiana. Um, this, this week, would have been Mardi Gras. Uh, things in New Orleans looked very different than they did a year ago when Mardi Gras became a super spreader event and was really blamed as the reason that Louisiana became an early hotspot. You are now in, I think it's modified phase two, uh, it, which was supposed to be lifted, but you've decided to extend it. Can you describe what modified phase two is and why you decided to sort of Get, keep people hunkered down a little bit longer. Well, so we, we've we been in uh, one stage or another of, of uh, restrictions and mitigation measures uh, because of the, the uh, COVID pandemic uh, going back to March of last year. Uh, and the restrictions that are in place uh, reflect how serious the situation is at that particular time. Uh, and if you look at uh, things like the positivity rate, the, the percentage of tests yielding a positive result for COVID, but also case growth, hospitalizations and deaths, those are the metrics that we use uh, to make our decisions. Uh, we, we were in the most precarious situation throughout the pandemic uh, on about January the 8th or 9th of this year. Um, and, and quite frankly, we had well over 2000 people in the hospital in Louisiana because of COVID, uh, positivity was around 15%. Our trajectory was just awful. And, and by the way, that's almost exactly two weeks after Christmas, right? So it was the Christmas travel, the gatherings, uh, the functions that, that people engaged in without distancing and masking the way that they should have. And so we had to put restrictions in place and, 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 and we maintained uh, our posture, which basically limits uh, churches to no more than 75% uh, occupancy, uh, places of worship 75% uh, with a minimum of six feet between people of diff different households. Uh, we've got restaurants down um, at, at no more than 50% uh, occupancy, making sure that we're distancing and, and, and uh, bars are not open at all for indoor on-premises consumption if the parish in which they're situated is, is uh, got a positivity rate that exceeds 5%. So we just maintained that, especially through the Mardi Gras period, because as you mentioned, those million and a half visitors we had last year for Mardi Gras uh, brought in, and then many of them brought home as well, uh, COVID before we ever knew that there was a, a, a problem uh, and seeded it very deeply so that we actually had the, the uh, steepest growth rate in cases anywhere in the world, according to Johns Hopkins data. Uh, at the time. We certainly didn't want a repeat of that this year, uh, 
the number of visitors was just a tiny fraction of what it was before. The bars were closed. There were no balls. There were no parades. Uh, although the people of, of uh, Louisiana, particularly in New Orleans, uh, did find a way to decorate their homes, and they called them house floats, and people could could drive by and and see uh, decorated houses as opposed to people standing in a parade route uh, watching floats come by. But a very difficult situation. Um, but but the restrictions we've had in place have always reflected guidance we've gotten from CDC. Uh, and, and have been based on the data that we're seeing in Louisiana at any particular time. And I'm very happy to tell you uh, that over the last few weeks, we have made a lot of progress. Our positivity rate today is about 5%. Uh, we have 800 people in the hospital, not 2,100 uh, people in the hospital. Uh, deaths are finally starting to come down, although they remain uh, very high. So, so we're making progress in Louisiana, uh, and I wanna thank the, the people of our state uh, because it's, it's it's because of them that we're able to have that progress. So Governor Edwards, though, even as the numbers are going all in the right direction, how worried are you about these new variants of COVID that we are hearing so much about from the UK and the, particularly the, uh, the scary version that, that's from South Africa? Well, we're very concerned um, and it's not just theoretical. We know through genetic sequencing of samples uh, taken of the virus here in Louisiana that the UK variant uh, is widespread across Louisiana. We've heard from uh, the CDC and experts that they believe that in as little as a month uh, that the UK variant could become the predominant strain uh, in the country. Uh, and we know that it is uh, estimated to be 50% more transmissible, about 30% uh, more serious for those people who, who get it in terms of hospitalizations and deaths. Uh, so we are very concerned even as we ramp up vaccinations and we're closing in on 900,000 uh, individuals who received at least their, their first dose. Um, but because the vaccine is not available uh, in sufficient quantities for everybody, uh, this mask remains the number one tool at our disposal uh, to protect against COVID and that includes against these variants. But we are extremely concerned here in Louisiana about that. It's one of the reasons that the mask mandate remains in place. Uh, and is likely to remain in place for uh, at least a few more months. And, and I hope we get to a place in the near future where we can ease the restrictions and the mitigation measures, but, but we're certainly not there yet, especially when uh, this UK variant looms. Uh, I think every 10 days, the number of cases uh, attributable to this variant, variant doubles. Uh, and so this is a significant situation that we have to, we have to mitigate against now um, and, and by the way, the president has called uh, for as much masking as possible for the first 100 days of his administration. Uh, and it seems like the right thing to do, uh, not just because he's asked for it, but because of what the CDC is saying as well. And, and yet, Governor Edwards, you've had some pushback on this mask mandate. Mm -hmm. I, the Lafayette City Council uh, voted to reject it. How, how do you, what do you think is driving that and how do you respond as the governor? Yeah, well, first of all, let me be clear. Um, the mask mandate is in force and effect all across the state of Louisiana. The Lafayette City Council doesn't have the authority uh, to, to opt out of that mandate. Um, they, they took a, an action saying that they weren't going to uh, enforce it um, at their level. Uh, and that's, that's uh, regrettable. It's unfortunate uh, because that region of our state at numerous times throughout the pandemic has actually had 
some of the highest positivity rates and case growth and hospitalizations and hospital capacity has been threatened uh, in that region of our state, uh, probably uh, more than, than any other. Uh, it's, it's a basic failure of leadership, uh, you know, and, and, and there's a partisan edge to this that, quite frankly, I don't understand. Um, you know, the, the mass mandate was something that we were encouraged to do by the, the uh, Trump uh, White House through the White House Coronavirus Task Force. Um, and every step that I've, I've taken has been fully consistent with what they were asking us to do. And, and now um, I'm obviously uh, looking to the Biden administration and to the CDC on these issues, as well as talking to locals. Uh, our own Office of Public Health, for example, uh, and physicians all across the state of Louisiana. So it's regrettable, um, but but the mask mandate remains in effect. We're going to continue to enforce it at the state level, um, and and it is the most effective tool we have to reduce spread and save lives. And and how this has taken a, a air of partisanship, I will never ever understand. That virus doesn't know and doesn't care uh, whether someone is a Republican or a Democrat. Uh, and and so we, we shouldn't be playing these partisan games uh, as we as we respond to this pandemic. Well, and of course, the, the ultimate answer, which is on the horizon, is vaccines. And we have a question here from one of our viewers, Rachel Burwald, who is also a constituent of yours, Governor. And she wants to know, what is the timeline for vaccinating teachers and other essential workers? Well, I can tell you teachers uh, will be eligible on Monday of next week. We made that announcement yesterday. Uh, it's a function of the fact that our vaccine allocations are increasing, both allocations given directly to the state uh, so that we can uh, control the distribution and administration, but also there's a retail uh, pharmacy program that's being set up by the federal government. Uh, they're doubling the doses that are gonna be available through the pharmacies as well. Uh, so now is the right time, and it's not just teachers. It's uh, K through 12 on-site workers. So these are teachers, counselors, school nurses, uh, administrators, lunchroom workers, custodians—you name it. But it's also for early childhood education folks uh, that they're going to be eligible on Monday of next week. So they go to the website for the Louisiana Department of Health. Uh, they can see all of the providers, and there will be more than 400 providers across the state next week. Uh, that will be receiving and administering uh, doses. Uh, they can either call or email and set up their appointments uh, starting on Monday. Uh, and then, then we will expand that to other essential workers going forward as we can. Um, so we're very happy to be able to get to teachers uh, starting next week. Uh, and we're also adding uh, next week those individuals 55 to 64 who have at least one of the 12 comorbid health conditions that have been set forth by the CDC uh, as making them, uh, uh, putting them at higher risk for, for a severe case of COVID or death should they contract the disease. Um, and then we're going to get to pregnant women uh, regardless of age uh, next week as well. Uh, so we're making progress. And then, and then future orders of priority will, will uh, be opening up uh, vaccines for other essential workers. Uh, but as you know, Karen, you can't have everybody in the mix all at one time when the vaccine doses are limited. Otherwise, you, you just you're not prioritizing anybody effectively uh, and you're going to create so much frustration because there's going to be so much demand for so few doses in terms of getting those appointments and getting those uh, doses administered that people are just going to going to give up. So you have to time this and, and progress and we're able to, to do that. And um, and 
I'm thankful that we now have three weeks of visibility on the doses we're going to receive rather than just a few days. Uh, and I'm also thankful that uh, I think over the last month or so, the doses we are receiving have increased by about 28%. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to the next uh, vaccine being approved uh, and being available for us. Perhaps it's going to be the Johnson & Johnson that should come online and those doses should be available sometime next month. Uh, that should be a game changer uh, because it's a single dose vaccine, as you know, uh, but obviously we need to get significant uh, allocation of doses as well for that to make a big difference. And we won't know exactly when it's going to be available or what the allocation is going to be for some time, but we're looking forward to that as well. You know, this vaccine rollout has been such a learning experience for all of the states. Um, everyone's hit glitches here and there. What have you learned along the way? What What do you think Louisiana has done right and what did it do wrong? Well, uh, first of all, we've been working extremely hard for months um, going back to last spring to prepare for uh, the vaccination program. And we are trying to build in as much efficiency and equity at the same time. I don't believe they're mutually exclusive. We know that the virus has had a disparate impact on African-Americans and Hispanics, for example. Uh, and so we need to make sure that, that the vaccine is available uh, in those communities as well. Um, and not just available, but the uptake uh, actually happens. And so we, we've, we're learning and we're making adjustments every single week uh, with outreach and we're trying to push out of our hospitals and clinics um, and into the community. And in fact, we were one of the first states in the nation uh, to have enrolled providers um, uh, all over the state. And in fact, I think the second week uh, we were in all 64 parishes. Uh, we were one of the first to enroll pharmacies. So for a state our size, we actually have right at 2000 enrolled providers who are approved by the CDC and by the state to both receive direct shipments of, of vaccine and to administer that. Uh, we're using about 400 of those now. Uh, that can grow over time as we receive more vaccine, but we're able to be in every single community, whether it's a parish health unit, uh, a doctor's office, a clinic, a hospital, and then we have hundreds of pharmacies uh, that are administering vaccine as well. And so that that is serving us well. Uh, I will tell you we're having particular challenges this week because we typically get our weekly allocations in on Monday and Tuesday. They haven't come yet uh, for this week because of the storm. So it appears that next week we're gonna be trying to double up 